Good morning to you. Pizza. Good mm, morning. Pizza. What a good idea. Yum. Yum. No breakfast yet. Um. <laughs> I was just thinking Freudianly. I'll tell you what, Steve, forget Santa Claus is coming to town. I know, I know. I mean, um, sorry, there's somebody else came. Um, it's hard to tell who it was because there were so many policemen around him all the time. Yeah. Six to eight thousand, that seems a small number. Mind you, it was only about a third of the entire Hong Kong police force. Yeah, the so other lot were up the mountain. <laughs> the busy taking down posters <laughs> but uh, we are in case anyone's been very very fast asleep in the last couple of days we are talking about the absolutely epoch making visit of jang de jang and of course i'm not going to say this but if you really force me i will before the visit all these people from the sort of pro-establishment side who who claim to be you know really close to the wide mouth frog joke yeah, coming up here yeah. isn't it and we shouldn't mention michael teen's name in this uh, context at all because that's very unfair but anyway michael teen among others said oh you know i i've been i've been briefed i know no, he's no. going to say something wink, very wink. very very significant and he did he said that hello he said hello he said um <laughs> Hong Kong is very prosperous. He said, uh, one country, two systems, very good. He said, Si Wailung's still doing his job. He said, um, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, on the other hand, blah, blah, blah. And then, my very favourite, he talked about One Belt, One Road. Who knew? Well, One Belt, One Road is supported by the Chinese government. Yep. That was an insight that I wasn't expecting. Mm. Came out of completely nowhere, that did. And a little, but, fi- a little finger wave to a small group of naughty boys. Yeah, there was the, the finger wave, um, and then there was the historic um, two and a half, on average, minutes given to talking to people who didn't actually disagree with him. That was very, very earth-shattering, and, and, and apparently when um, these four pro-Democrat legislators mentioned things, he said things like, hmm... Mm. And apparently, mm, which which I thought was, I think the second mm was more significant because I'm a sinologist. I can tell yeah. the second mm. It's always the second, which was mm. longer than the first mm. mm. You, you do note the tonal difference as well here. Yeah. Sharper listeners, will I can know imagine this. that meeting though, yes. during which time lots of glances <laughs> yes. at the watch <laughs> were going on. Yes, is that two and a half <laughs> minutes? Hour, really, yeah. that's a very slow two and a half minutes. But there was one thing in all the things he said that was actually rather ominous. And this was a sort of finger-wagging at the judiciary, basically saying, you know, in our system, when someone appears in court, they're guilty. What's going on here? Because people have trials here. You know, that's, that's, that's sort of open house for anything to happen, um, which, of course, it is. It's that, called application of the law according to the rules of justice. Maybe, in fairness, Michael was right. Maybe that maybe was it. That was Just it. dressed uh, up in, right. you know. Yeah, no, maybe, seriously, maybe. Think about it. Could have been. Could have been. If we want to analyse these if, things, if, which if, really if, we don't, because we want to talk about food trucks, so get we, on with we, it, please. <laughs> get on with but it. what I liked, um, and that's in, in, in brackets. Can you do brackets on radio? Mm. Or, or quote, I'm doing one now. Quote marks. Quote marks. <laughs> Here's one I made earlier. Yes, <laughs> I brought a couple along, I thought, you know, in case there was no stop. <laughs> so, in quote marks, what I really liked was the whole atmospherics of this. I mean, it was a real old Mao-style leader's visit. All the goons turn up at the airport. And I mean all of them. I mean, you know, if you ever wondered whether they, these people who are members of the Hong Kong government had anything well, like to do... as well. And Harry Seacombe. <laughs> yeah. 
they they were all there and they were all sort of they all put that sort of you know that rictus grin that they put on when when they're they're waiting nervously the one. for the boss to arrive so they were all standing there the rictus grin and then they did that wonderful sort of thing which they always do on the main and they have these pretty little girls come up with bouquets of flowers and thrust them into the hands of this unsmiling bespeckled goon who steps off the plane and goes etc and uh, they all go Whoa. they all stand there looking very attentive he might have said something really significant like hello note that down hello that's a, that's a quite a oh, that's a big remark and then you have this whole business of you know the leader is not allowed to see his eyes are not allowed to touch on anything that will upset him so posters are removed banners are removed post boxes were covered up the ones post with the boxes. crown on them <laughs> now they were under repair they they were under repair. That's what it Sorry, said on. That's what that, it said on the thing. That's the real reason. I don't know why you think there was any other reason for that. But that did happen. But they are remnants of an imperial oppression. I'm just just mentioned that in yeah. passing. Um, then you had the the thing of you know Hong Kong is an open society, therefore anybody can say anything they want. But just we'll, not this we'll week. Do, we'll do it a mile <laughs> away from where anybody can hear it. So he doesn't see anybody other than very very carefully vetted people aside from the two and a half minutes each that he gave to, on average to the pro-democracy legislators. But he went, well, and that's a... I mean, in a sense, that is a good thing, but it's a very tiny, tiny good thing. The force coming from Hong Kong back, if you like, it's not going to be jumping up and down and brimstone and fire anymore. Certainly from the younger generation, it's going to be a grey wave of apathy, whatever. Well, a grey wave of apathy... And, of course, humour with the cartoonists. Well, I mean, you know, satirists... Your day has come. Well, they they, they were brilliant, these yeah. guys. Spr- but the point is, the, yeah. the stuff I've read online, they're going, oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. And that's well, even exactly. more offensive. Well, I think the thing which <laughs> is slightly worrying is the extent now to which the police are being openly and aggressively used as a political force. But they do what they're told. Well, no, no, they, no, no, I'm not blaming the individual copper on the street. I mean, this is the leadership who've decided that, 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 that the police have to be entirely identified yeah. with this kind of Mao-style political um, show and it's not good for the police force I mean as we know the reputation of the police force has suffered very considerably under the former police commissioner Andy Chung who, who, who said that he wouldn't take up lucrative employment after leaving and waited whole weeks before he took up lucrative employment after but you know the man yeah what can I say um, but um, the fact of the matter is that the, the there is a very, very large police force in Hong Kong, extraordinarily large, given the size of the population. And I think for many years it's had a very good reputation, but, but by increasingly politicising the way it operates, mm. does nobody any harm, oh, sorry, does nobody any good, especially the police force. So uh, I think that's another aspect to this visit that, that, that's very disappointing. Well, we haven't heard a sausage from or about the police on this one. So, I mean, you know, give a guy a break. They're just doing their crowd control bit. Well, as I say, not I'm, not blaming, I'm not blaming the blokes <laughs> no, on the I street. No, I know you're not. Know. They're told to go there. I, I was in Admiralty on Tuesday, and not on this business. And I went to Admiralty Centre, you know, where the, where the MTR is. And I came out, I had to walk across the road, because I'm that sort of athletic fella. And yeah, Gloucester <laughs> Road. <laughs> it was the other direction. And uh, I, I have never seen, and I've seen some police buses in my time, I have never seen so many police buses full of chaps sitting there looking pretty bored. Going... Like, well, I think they were thinking, 
Overtime. Overtime. No, can you, I can't blame them. Yeah. You can't blame them in this one. No, no, they, they looked a bit... They this is a real first, Steve. Let's, let's put the pee-taking aside for one minute. This yes. is a real first, and not necessarily in a good way. No, I don't think so. I, uh, but uh, we must return, because remember, and sometimes you forget this, that the primary purpose of this visit was to promote the One Belt, One Road well, it seems concept. that pretty much almost was what it was about. <laughs> we were overthinking this stuff. But, but you know, um, I can't help in this context but mention these Chinese campaigns... I mean, incidentally, let's just deal with One Belt, One Road. Yeah, that, Syria. That, that's just a... No, but that's just a, a regional power play. I mean, you know, once you strip away all the... And in the next ten years, everybody will have forgotten about it. But, you know, China is a country of campaigns, and the ones that I always love are the anti-corruption campaigns. Remember, this started in um, 1951, 1952, with the Three Antis campaign. That was so successful that it was relaunched in 1953. More or less the same campaign under a new name. And then they sort of whittled on, and then they uh, launched something called the anti-corruption campaign. That was in 1982. In 1989, there was the anti-corruption drive. And now here we are again with another anti-corruption campaign. What have these all achieved? Well, the fact that they keep going on tends to tell you that they ain't been achieved. So, you know, I mean, these are to do with the internal matters within the Chinese state. One Belt, One Road is to do with China's regional ambitions. But I think if if there's a betting person listening to the radio today who wants to put a couple of thousand dollars on the idea that One Belt, One Road will achieve its stated aims... Give me the bet. Yeah, <laughs> get that same bloke that put put a pound or a dollar on Leicester City. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I bet somebody did. Oh, no, definitely. They must have done. Definitely, definitely they did. No, and but this, this is an interesting thing. I mean, what, what what's coming out of this are people people aren't really so much pointing the finger at the mainland, just just online stuff. They're like, yeah, it's business as usual, blah, blah, blah. But the boys here are getting a right pasting. Well, the, the big question, the big question to be asked is, for example, was that phenomenal police mobilisation for this alleged terrorist threat? Oh, yeah, what was the... What, mm. what, yeah, exactly. I mean, was that, was that instructions from above, instructions from up north, or were, were the local sycophants thinking, you know, how can I... Um, how can I um, lick a boot more thoroughly than I've already licked it? I tell you what, we haven't licked the underside of the boot. Let, let's let's do that today. People are mentioning things like ISIS and outrageous stuff like a terror threat being quite high. It's almost like a badge of honour to be able to mention ISIS. These guys have... Yeah. Well, well, thanks for that. I mean, I, I thought I was living in a peaceful, fairly safe city. Well, so but I. thanks for telling the world that, you know... If you want to come we're, and get we're, it. We're, we're at least, you know, Palmyra on sea. Um, Palmyra, it should be, sorry, uh, on sea. You know, I mean, for God's sake, these people really have to think of the consequences of what they say. I know they they like to talk big, but, but boy, remember, one of Hong Kong's strengths is that it's a safe and secure city. I believe that is so. Why don't the people who run Hong Kong think that? You just want to, sometimes, I mean, you just feel like you want to remind somebody that when, they, when you talk about ISIS, you're talking about people that crucify people. To yeah. this day, this week, they've probably crucified, and I really mean that, yeah. goodness knows how many people. You know, this was, is not I, something I, to play with for political gain. Just to put this in context, I was, I was looking at an Al Jazeera um, report. It, w- it was about Afghanistan. Yeah. And the, the, there was a, they interviewed a newspaper editor who, who was talking about how some of his staff had been killed. And then he said, of course, I've got to put this in context. 
We have here in Afghanistan probably a couple of hundred people killed per week oh, yeah. as a result of terrorism. Just thinking, boy, how terrifying is that? I mean, that's... I, I, you know, I mean, fortunately, I have no personal experience of that. But, but So let's wrap up this, convers- this bit of our conversation by saying, and which countries are on the Belt and Road Initiative? Um, anything with a stand in it. See? Um, this yeah, isn't... Yeah, this isn't... Yeah, I know, this is I know. Um, um, anyway, let's uh, talk about uh, food trucks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is people's lives we're talking about. I know, it's, uh, it's not about getting an extra high job in government. Uh, uh, isn't it? This is people's... No, is it not? I mean, of course... The this risk, is young sorry, people before, getting obliterated. Before, before we leave all yeah, of sorry, this, let, let, let's, let's just mention for whom this visit is really important. You. And, of course, it's... Other than me, of course. Because you did the teas and coffees. <laughs> And the canopies, yeah. excuse me, excuse me. Um, the, 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 really, the people who really um, are impacted by this visit are the uh, members of the Hong Kong elite, who, of course, are all standing, shuffling around nervously because they want the, the big man to tell them, number one, what to say, because they're ciphers, they don't want to say anything themselves. Yeah. Number two, they're looking for signs from the big man as to it's who's in. No, no, who's in and who's out. So they can adjust their attitude accordingly. You know, is CY on the way out? If so, we can all be rude to him. Is so-and-so <laughs> on the way out? Oh, they have to decide which, which parties to go to. It, it, exactly. <laughs> and they have to decide, you know, who to genuflect in front of. So for these people, this sort of visit is really important because this is what they live for. They wait for the big man to come and say to them... Uh, your orders are as follows. The trouble with the Chinese system is they do it very obliquely. So there's a sort of little signal. Oh, that John Chung, uh, he's got some good, good points. Write that down. Good points, good points. He's got good points. We'll have to move. We've got to be a lot nicer to he's, him this he's week. He's got a moustache. <laughs> Take him to the barbers. <laughs> Get that silly moustache off. Get that moustache <laughs> off, son. <clears throat> but I'm not prejudiced. There are perfectly reasonable people with moustaches at all. I haven't found what I'm looking for, meaning a place to park my food truck. Now, in past budgets, John Jung, I think, had a very genuine idea that he thought... Oh, this Hipster be, John this, Jung. This would be good, yeah. you know, do the food trucks and stuff, and here's a, boy, here's a boy who lived in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, da-da-da-da. So John Jung's idea of what a food truck is going to be has behemothized and it shall henceforth be called the Maxim's food truck. It, and it, I was kidding when I first said it, but I have a funny feeling I'm serious we now. Have, we've discussed it here before, haven't we? This, this, this bold new initiative to emulate the sort of thing, as you say, which you have in the Lower East Side, and in, and in fact in other major cities. Yeah. And let's just say what they are in other major cities. Very good. They are That's blokes they are. <laughs> or women or whoever who've got an idea for food. It's usually a a, a quite specialist thing, you know, for example, a a, a specialist sort of tortilla or I I don't know what. It doesn't really matter what. And they they get an old truck, they they bung a bit of equipment in it and they drive it around the city to places where people might want to buy this specialist tortilla or or whatever it is. And it's a sort of fun thing. It's a sort of spontaneous thing. It's really good too, isn't it? it sort of works. When I was um, quite recently in London, um, there was somebody who had a... I know it's it's not what it says on the tin, but it was a specialist coffee food truck, in oh, other yeah. words. Uh, and it was a couple of women making mind-blowingly good coffee out of the back of a truck. 
with the, out the back of the truck. Oh, yeah, ladies, well, get your coffee. Well, that's, where watch, that's, where that's where they were. That's where they were. I've got the Rolex as well. Yeah. Um, made in China. Yeah. And um, <laughs> no, seriously though, it was very good coffee. They had a few bits and pieces to eat as well, but it was, the coffee was the main event. And I was talk- I was chatting to them. I said, "Oh, um, where are you going?" They said, "Well, we go here, we go there." But you know, we we can go anywhere with this truck. And I thought, that's oh, true. Though. That must be because it's got wheels. And it's got an engine, and it can move from place to place. Now, in Hong Kong, I mean, only in Hong Kong could this happen. I'm going to sit back the bureaucrats, <laughs> The bureaucrats have got hold of this, and they say, it must be a movable truck, and furthermore, it must not move. Yeah, so you're actually buying a vehicle. It's a literally, it is literally a vehicle. But, you, but the, under the, the edict, you're not allowed to move it. It's going to be stationary just in one location. Of course, the location is determined by the bureaucrats. The award of the contract is determined by the bureaucrats. And then they're going to have... All these little bureaucrats are going to get together and they're going to have a food test so that, that they can determine who will... Who, you know, who's... Which who's, branch of Maxims gets Which it. branch of Maxims, because there is more than one. They're not all the same. That's right. But the, 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 the killer is that now the bureaucracy have thought, oh, boy, yeah, yeah, hey, this is a new thing. How do we control it? Tell you what. Let's use the existing rules we have for for um, uh, it's 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 a type of food license which, which is for a place where you you've got a food license but you don't have a seating area. Let's just apply it to the food trucks because otherwise, oh dear, we're going to have to work and we're going to have to bring up. Oh dear, no, no. Let's just apply the old regulations to this. The fact that it will add cost, enormous amounts of cost, massive to to producing these things that's the problem of the idiots and we'll just we won't say who they are but the idiots who are going to have to apply to operate these things do you know what this scheme is going to be damp squib it will be it will be of course some of the bigger operators like maxims will get a clutch of these to do they'll probably find one hapless american to operate another one but by and large, they're, they're not for long though. At those costs, not for long. We're not those joking. Seven hundred and fifty grand, isn't it? That's that's um, a quite modest estimate. It could well be more. Now that they want to um, apply the old licensing regime, you know that that adds on the cost. And the idea that you have to have a moving vehicle that isn't allowed to move, I th- find very attractive as a, as, a, as an ocean. So, what's the point of this in the first place, then? Because it the is it isn't this, what it says the on the tin. The point of this <laughs> is, I think, when the idea first came up, is is John Chang presumably went to New York and said, "Boy, this is pretty, you know, lively." Well, like I said, and then it goes into the machine, and they go, "Oh, lively! We don't do lively. We do control. We do we do form filling in. We do." everything you know so great idea let's still call it food trucks as though they are actually trucks that move from place to place but let's make damn sure that none of that happens oh and by the by we will be the final arbiters who operates them in in london new york um barcelona anywhere anywhere you try to think of the people who determine who's going to have a food truck are funnily enough the people who own the food trucks there are areas that they can't go to. I mean, they can't park a, a food truck outside the Houses of Parliament, for example. Well, that's OK. But that does leave quite a lot of other places. They can park it and serve up the food and move along when they're, you know, when they're done. I mean, it's just staggering. Well, let me but ask in you- Hong Kong, nobody feels confident enough to say, let them, you know, this is free enterprise Hong Kong. 
Nobody feels confident enough to say, let the market determine mm. who's going to provide and who's going to buy. Because that actually is how capitalism works in, in grown-up places. What about this as an idea? I mean, think about it. Is it actually trying to bring sand to the beach by bringing this kind of food to Hong Kong, bearing in mind all the, the lots of little stalls that people have loved here for years are getting chucked out? Well, ain't that a point? I mean, all those... Or is that a bad comparison? Well, no, I think that's an entirely valuable comparison because what is Hong Kong's distinctiveness? It isn't our ability to ape New York or ape anywhere else like that. Hong Kong actually had a very, very vibrant (coughs) food, street culture. You had people smelling, you know, selling smelly um, bean curd. You had people selling fish balls. You had people selling all sorts of things. In little, very, very modest carts, literally carts. So they're all being expunged because it doesn't go with a glossy new image. You know, when you sit in Tamar and you, you talk about, you know, one belt, one road, you don't really want a smelly little cart selling food that people queue up to buy because who are they? They're the little people. And what do they know? So, I mean... In, how to cook, I would assume. Well, there is the how to cook. <laughs> and there is, there is <clears throat> something called the Hong Kong taste. <clears throat> Excuse me for splattering here, but I haven't had my food truck content <laughs> for the day. There is such a thing called the Hong Kong taste. And there's something called Hong Kong culture. These people are part of it. So they're being swept off the streets so we can bring in somebody else's culture. Oh, and by the by, make it a parody because it's not going to work in the form that they, they, they envisage it. I mean, the whole thing is just nonsense. Why not just say, for example, we've got a bit of unoccupied land. You want to bring along a food car? Not, not a great big truck, a food car. So this is genuinely providing opportunities for individuals who, who, who fancy yeah, not, they not, can do it. Yeah, A lot of them are quite... Of course, a lot of the people who operate the old food carts are quite elderly. They're not going to be able to get jobs anywhere else. They're being swept off the streets in the interests of progress. Remember progress? That means going backwards in Hong Kong. It's, yeah. it's, just, it's just really annoying because it's so stupid. It's so guaranteed to fail. It will be a synthetic, well, it, ghastly parody of what they do everywhere else. Well, here we have the third man in our government, saying he'd like to see something happening, and I'm pretty sure in his head he was doing, you know, saying the old school... We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Right, so he's he's the number three geezer in our government. Yeah. And even when he says he wants something done, somewhere below him it gets mashed up. It goes into the home (laughs) affairs, uh, it goes into the food hygiene and generally obnoxious department. So if his main aim in life is to stop things happening. I mean, I'll give you an example... In, in my company at the moment, we're setting up a canteen. I better not say where we are. And they, they, we, we, we're talking to the water supplies department. Now, because of the lead contamination scandal... No, nothing to see here. What they want to do is they've now gone... You know, there's, 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 there's a difference between sensible precautions against having lead in pipes, which I think anybody understands, and the kind of overkill that this is producing Go on, then. to to respond. I mean, basically, the bottom line is we, we, we've got, a, as a very minimum, a three-month delay in starting this, purely because of the Water Department. What, what are they asking for? They're asking for every piece of equipment to be tested and certified. Well, if only they would do that in some of these housing estates, things might get sorted. But, you know, the point is, the source of the contamination is the pipes. Why not concentrate on where it's likely to come from, rather than go through this enormous bureaucratic process. So we've now got forms to be filled into 
the sky is hardly high enough to accommodate them. It's just nonsense. It's good for you. Yeah, it's character building. Mm. It is character building. I feel quite character built. Mm. So suffi- Thank you, Water Supplies su- Department. Great people. Suffice to say, we may not see, you know, yummy burgers opening no, up wherever. No, not, not, not any time soon. <laughs> All right, one more today. Well, I mean... Oh, I'm sorry, this may involve criticising government department. I'm, I, can I apologise? But, I mean, the people who are supposed to be in charge of heritage conservation out there in oh, the yeah, government have decided that a brilliant idea, because other people have a br- brilliant idea, is you know how they dismo- demolish Queen's Pier and put it into little boxes? I didn't know that bit, actually. Yeah, they did, they did. They put it into little boxes. I'm exaggerating, they didn't put it in boxes, but you know what I mean. They, they, they still have the component parts of the pier. And, and, and the genius who's in charge of conservation government says, oh, oh we, we could reconstruct it in, in, in Lantau, because... Um, uh, Lantau's fairly empty and... Uh, they got their eye on Lantau, though, big time. Yeah, it's quite true. They have other plans for Lantau, which... Oh, that's right, they involve property development. I've never heard of that happening in Hong Kong before, but apparently it's going to happen in Lantau. Meanwhile, people like Designing Hong Kong have made a proposal which says, tell you what, why don't we have Queen's Pier back on the waterfront, on, on the, you know, Hong Kong waterfront, yeah. where it belongs, because yeah. it was always a stupidity. 